The world is at an inflection point. Geopolitical uncertainty is plaguing economies already battling inflation, the rocky post-pandemic road, and supply chain woes, all as they try to head off mounting cybersecurity risks. Businesses need to be agile, and building resilience to risk has never been more important. Today, we explore the current geopolitical climate, namely Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the impact this will have on the global economy. We will look at energy, supply chain and cybersecurity in the near and long term. Most importantly, we will discuss how this will affect companies and what actions should businesses take today to adapt, remain nimble and build resilience. I'm Tom Parker, and with me to discuss these urgent themes is Guy Miller, Chief Market Strategist and Head of Macroeconomics, and Eugenie Molyneux, Chief Risk Officer of Commercial Insurance, both from Zurich Insurance Group. Welcome to you both. Guy, let's get started. The Ukraine crisis is dominating the news and the thoughts of everyone. What are the most immediate risks for business? Well, Tom, let's just take one step back because prior to the Ukrainian crisis, we had a changing regime underway, which was impacting businesses anyway. We have just come back and we have still been struggling from the legacies of pandemic that was distorting underlying business trends, clouding the outlook before the invasion of Ukraine. And we also had an environment where, of course, a lot of the service parts of the global economy were only beginning to get back on their feet again. And what was interesting, of course, was that we had entered a new monetary regime. We had gone from central banks providing unlimited liquidity and cutting interest rates to one where surging inflation was forcing these central banks to actually ratchet up interest rates. And for example, two years ago, of the 43 central banks that we cover, about 80% were cutting rates, providing liquidity. And as of today, we've got about 60% now increasing interest rates. And that's going to, of course, increase the cost of funding and the availability of funding for the corporate sector. And as you point out, we now have a new crisis, the situation with the war in Europe, whereby that is exacerbating some of these trends. In other words, we're seeing energy prices, of course, but other commodities spike higher, and that is impacting the input costs for many companies, in addition to, as I said, the higher rate environment, which is increasing the cost of debt to many companies and consumers as well. Clearly, no company can afford to ignore the current situation, But what sectors are most at risk and why is this? The Russian economy is actually very small in the global scheme of things. It's about 2% of global GDP. But the exports that Russia has are quite significant. For example, when you look at things like palladium, it represents about 45% of palladium supply. Why does palladium matter? Well, guess what? That goes into catalytic converters. So that affects the automobile industry. When we look at things like potash, again, very big exporter of that combined, of course, with Ukraine. Why does that matter? Well, of course, that impacts the agricultural sectors, not just in Europe, but elsewhere in the world, given the size of these exports. When you combine wheat, a grain export from both Russia and Ukraine, it's an extremely large part of the the global supply, roughly about 25 to 30 percent. And that will have a material impact on food prices, not just for the wealthy countries where that represents a relatively small part of the ingredients for the price of a loaf of bread, for example. 
But if you think about emerging markets, third world countries, particularly in areas that are already under pressure, such as north um, eastern parts of Africa, the Middle East, these are going to have big impacts on many parts of the world beyond the developed world economies where we all tend to focus on. Eugenie, let me bring you into the conversation. From a risk perspective, what sectors are most affected? I'm not so sure it's sectors as much as it's possibly regions would be my response to that. I think Europe and Asia are particularly at risk due to their dependency on energy imports um, and in Asia also grain imports. So obviously with both Russia and the Ukraine being large grain exporters around the world, I think respectively number one and number five, uh, in the world, so roughly over $10 billion worth of grain exports, there's obviously a risk to increased costs there and then obviously increased energy costs. So I think it's Europe and Asia who will be hardest hit initially from those factors, but then the question is how that will roll through the rest of the global economy. One of the most obvious repercussions of the conflict is turmoil in energy markets. Guy, does this constitute an oil crisis? And what are the specific risks for companies? One forgets that the price of oil has been above $100 a barrel many times in history. And if you actually think about the, uh, the inflation over the last 30, 40 years, if you look at oil prices in real terms, in other words, adjusting for inflation, um, it's nowhere like the levels that we've seen in past oil crises. But there is no doubt the move that we've seen in recent months has been dramatic. And of course, that will have a spillover effect on a number of areas. One, of course, it impacts heating, it impacts travel, it impacts all of these factors. And it's fair to say that many developed advanced economies have reduced their oil dependency and many companies have made themselves more efficient. There is undoubtedly going to be an impact. It will have a, a higher cost input to many of these companies. Just following on also from what Guy just said around energy costs, and this could be a more extreme scenario, but it, it's a possibility. And this is the kind of thing that companies should be, if they're wanting their businesses to be resilient, they should be considering extreme scenarios. So one of the more extreme scenarios could be an energy supply disruption, in which case what you're talking about is potentially rolling blackouts and business interruption. We all saw supply chain risks ease after the shutdowns sparked by the pandemic. But with this wave of geopolitical uncertainty, what risks remain? And how has the Ukraine crisis and rising prices heightened supply chain issues? I think the concept of supply chains is still a good one. You find low-cost ways of manufacturing in particular. You combine skill strengths across various regions uh, and various businesses. But what we've realized is that these supply chains have become so complex, it's very difficult to know where the risks lie. For example, who would have thought that neon gas was a major issue given the disruptions that we're seeing coming from the current crisis? And yet that is a major component of computer chips. And computer chips were already under pressure because of outage 
shortages due to the pandemic. So I think it's really understanding these supply chains much better, understanding where there are vulnerabilities, understanding where you can perhaps build some diversification. So I think the crisis, again, on top of the pandemic crisis, has just reinforced the notion about the vulnerabilities of what had been a fairly sophisticated and very profitable way of manufacturing. So how should businesses go about adapting to these risks and build resilience? The overarching theme is they must remain agile and flexible, as you said right at the beginning, to what is a very complicated and ever-changing world that we're in. There's still a very strong case to be made for having efficient supply chains, but I think broadening them out a little bit, diversifying them, having a little bit more inventory uh, in reserve, just gives you a more robust supply chain without having to radically uh, alter it. But that's something that can be done fairly readily. The other thing I think is that companies really need to focus on productivity improvements. In a world where costs are rising, I think they need to think about digitization, deployment of digitization to offset some of these higher costs that they're seeing, and that will help support and protect their margins. And the other thing is that in terms of the the balance between controlling costs, they're likely to have to be paying more in terms of of salaries, but they also need to be thinking about, you know, can they... um, test out, can it push through uh, some pricing improvements that in combination will lead to, again, them be able to support their margins. And I guess lastly, and I think this is something that's really important that shouldn't be forgotten about, is that don't lose sight of environmental factors. Ultimately, companies still have to address their carbon footprint because the cost of externalities is only going to be rising over time. And this is still the time that they need to continue to focus on that as well. So a lot, I'm afraid, there for companies to do, Tom. But again, there's things that they can do that can improve their profits and their profitability for the years ahead. The pandemic provoked a huge uptake and acceleration of digitization, and with it, the need for corporations to better protect their cyberspace. Escalating political tensions presage the risk of state-backed cyber attacks. How prepared are companies to deal with this, and what risks remain? It's hard for companies to keep up, is how I would put it. In fact, I would argue it's hard for governments to keep up even. So if you look at how cyber attacks have increased, whether that's malware, ransomware or other forms of attacks, they've increased by literally in the hundreds of percent per annum over the last couple of years. Then on top of that, because of the pandemic, what we've seen is that companies have increasingly relied on digitalization of their business probably more so than pre-pandemic, they leaned into that. So the combination of the two, if you like, has really created a seismic shift in the cybersecurity landscape. It's both important for companies to digitize because they do need to find savings to address some of the some of the risk landscape that we talked about. Equally, they cannot fail to protect their business from cyber attacks. If they do, it's potentially an existential threat to them. So I think this is probably the number one immediate challenge for businesses that they face. But I think most business leaders are aware of that and it's a focus area for them. I would just add that still the vast majority of cyber attacks are rendered successful by human error. So as much as we talk about cybersecurity being, you know, um, a predominant theme for companies and particularly of an immediate or short term concern, the reality is it can be addressed as long as your people are cybersecurity aware. 
What steps should companies be taking to build cyber resilience? I think it it goes beyond just cyber, um, Tom. But yes, I mean, a combination of making sure that you have the right safety nets in place, making sure your people are trained correctly, as Eugenie had pointed out, there's a lot of human error within the cyber side as well. But making sure again that systems are tested and that they're making sure that some of the, the back doors, for example, can be closed. But I think a, a bigger point I would make in tying it to uh, what we've been saying about the costs of flexibility and being dynamic, there is a cost for companies, whether it's about cybersecurity, whether it's about improving supply chains, whether it's becoming more resilient. All of that generally comes with a cost. But in many ways, the problem has been is that the cost of outages has been mispriced up until now. Companies weren't so worried about cyber. They weren't so worried about supply chain disruptions. They were focusing purely on the efficiency side of things. And they got caught out because that risk was mispriced. So although everything I've mentioned is going to result probably on a higher cost element for companies, they have to look at what would be the alternative if, again, their business is taken out for one month, six months or a year. It could be cataclysmic for them. But the other thing to point out is that it comes back to being resourceful. If your costs are rising, you need to find other ways of improving that productivity. Because if you can improve the productivity, of course, you're in a much better position to afford these higher costs and some other elements and improve the resilience of that. If I might just step back a second and make it a little less about cyber resilience, but about business resilience in general. I think perhaps it was said best, there was a sentence in the Global Risk Report that suggested we move from just in time to just in case. And I quite liked that sentence because I think it well articulates probably where we're at in the world from a business perspective in terms of the approach to risk management. Additional to that, I think it's helpful to look at outcomes. So we often talk about looking at risks. What are the risks? Actually, if you start with your business and you say, what are the most business critical pieces? So if that piece was to fail, what's the outcome? And then you can almost work backwards from there. Guy, Eugenie, thank you very much for your time today. And to our listeners, you can find other episodes and related content at zurich.com forward slash global risks.